Happy New Year, everyone. This is Lady H. With me is Lady D. Happy New Year. And today we're going to do an end of the year kickback with the homies. I'm trying to think, what should I call you now? I, You know what? This name is throwing me off. So I'm just going to say, you, can you know her. All right. I would just say, you know her. You love her. It's what sleep, though. It's Miss V. So yes, there she is. And also the one, the only very first podcast guest, Madame Lizette. Hello, hello. That's right. It is a forever young reunion, which means we are talking about wrestling. And why are we talking about wrestling? Because wrestling, I feel, is one of the biggest stories of 2022. Do y'all agree with that? Are you like, nah? It's been a year. For it has so. always been a year. Yeah. So we're going to do something a little different because you are talking to some people who are wrestling fans. So I'm going to throw it to Lady D first and say, Lady D, what? we're going to start off with wrestling. Yeah. When we say that wrestling has been the story of the year, how does that land on you? This means y'all had some drama over there. That's what that means. Do you know what any of that drama is? only thing I really know about is that Vincent Mann is out. Well, girl, no less than two weeks ago, there's rumblings of him trying to come back. Mm-hmm. How are you going to come back when they kicked you out? Because he said, you know what? I got some bad advice. If I would have stayed on, this would have blown over. Okay. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> women. Who told him that in 2020, yeah. in the year of our Lord, when this is post Me Too and all these other things? Who told him this was going to just blow over and he'd just be able to sit back and just chill? The same people who cheered for him when he came out yeah. the same day that they told us that he was paying women off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to remember the bulk of wrestling fans are white males. So. Mm-hmm they probably like the bulk of the fans the ones who don't leave their basement the ones who have never touched a woman before um probably would have been like as long as he had brought some people back or if he would have had a good storyline they would have forgotten about it completely they would have been over it so he's probably likely right but there's been a lot more vocal wrestling fans like us um, and other people of color and other, you know, wrestling fans who have been out more outspoken. So it probably wouldn't have gone away as much as he would have hoped it would have. Okay. Well, I just had to laugh when you said the fans that have never touched a woman. That was hilarious. It's very, like, there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Sorry, guys. If you're, li- I doubt you're listening, but, you know, if you are, <laughs> go outside. Go outside. Well, it's not even that. It's also the guys who are like happily married, but they believe in men should be men. And yeah, they're just misogynists all the way around. And so it's more of, I don't understand what the problem is. They asked for it or they wanted it or whatever. And it's just like, that's not how any of this works, guys. Yeah, Yeah. I, I was talking to one of my kids about it and he was quite confused because he said, but I don't understand. I mean, Miss McMahon is rich. He could have any woman. I'm like, oh God. So we need to talk about that mentality mm-hmm. of what sexual harassment is and the fact that sometimes this is about power. And this is yeah. all a part of that toxic rape culture. First of all, all rape culture is toxic. And thinking that 
a woman could agree or consent to sex within a power imbalance, that there is no other factors that are involved or and that if a man has money or if he is attractive or has power or clout, some type of, um, yeah, I guess attraction is the best way of putting it, then he would not need to coerce a woman or pressure a woman or rape a woman in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And that is untrue. Well, I mean, theoretically, it's true. Theoretically, if you have all these things, there are plenty of women out there that will be interested in you and you don't have to. But it's not about that, all that other stuff for them. So like this leads itself into the Boston Celtics head coach, Ime Adoku, and like the idea of... Well, at first it was consensual, yes, but at some point that woman said she didn't want to continue the affair, so it became non-consensual. Right. At the point when somebody says, okay, I'm done with this, then it should be done. But that's not what happens. People want to continue on. And even from the beginning, Kud was kind of right. He shouldn't have to. He can technically have, when we say any woman that's interested in getting with them, but it's never about that. It's about specific people that they want to have control over. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the issue is. So it wouldn't be a topic of discussion. We weren't talking about gold diggers or anything like that. This isn't Twitter at noon. We were talking about, in particular, a Vince McMahon who also allegations of giving women as gifts to other people in a company Um, like a John Laurinaitis, who was also let go. And the power of it, Vince McMahon, by definition, within the world and the bubble that he created, was a titan. And I don't use that term frivolously. He has a titan, Tron. The name of of the studios in Connecticut was Titan Studios. And he really built himself up like that. I think that another part of the conversation that we have to have, how has the company been faring since he's been gone? Yes, he's made this threat of coming back, but does anybody want him back? Nobody but himself. I mean, as the reports have been coming in, it seems as though the backstage is not as toxic And people don't want him back. There is a documentary that is on Hulu. And uh, I haven't seen it yet. Has anybody seen it? No, not yet. No. One of the reports that I've heard about the documentary is that they didn't get the talking heads that they thought they would get because people didn't want to be associated with Vince McMahon. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who came back to the company And the only reason they came back is because Vince is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So as soon as he stepped foot back backstage into Gorilla, I think there would be a lot of people in that company who would regret um, Mm resigning, who would feel uncomfortable resigning because obviously that man wanted him gone to begin with. And then just for the lower level, like even not even thinking about the wrestlers, it's got to be a totally different vibe backstage for the writers and for the producers and the crew backstage like it's just probably got to be a totally different vibe for them and you know it's probably been really nice for them for the last couple of months so I doubt any of them are going to be would be happy to see Vince back at the end of the day it's ego 
And Vince is upset at people being excited about Triple H and Stephanie being in charge of his company. When he didn't make the handover of the transition in his time, he was mm -hmm. forced out. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he likes people being excited about someone else running his company. So I think if it would have been his choice, it'd probably be a different story, but he was forced out. And, and so now he's just probably, his ego is bruised that things are not falling apart without him. Mm -hmm. um, and so the only way to keep himself a part of the story is to make comments like this about wanting to come back and getting that advice and things like that. So let's talk about where the company is now without Vince. Financially, the company is doing fine. I understand that the stock price is fine. They will be able to enter negotiations into TV deals, which some of them end at the end of 2023 or within 2023. They're in a strong place of negotiation power to figure out at Raw NXT, are they going to stay on USA? Is Fox going to stay on SmackDown? What about Peacock? All of those deals where Nick Khan got them very lucrative deals a few years ago. Vince is gone. Where does the company stand now? I do think that there has been that level of excitement and curiosity about what will Triple H do. So report card, how has Triple H been doing so far to you? I would say he's been doing pretty well. I think there are still some places where he is stumbling. So I don't think Hit Row coming back and them taking all these losses is good for them. But I also think that what we're noticing with Hit Row is they needed a swerve Strickland and not having a swerve Strickland makes yeah. that group less appealing. And then I think Damage Control was on a tear and doing some good stuff. And now they've kind of got lost in the shuffle and he has to figure out how to fix that. And there's some other stuff with like Rhonda having the title and I get it in a form. She's a draw and that's how they feel about her. And that's not for us to keep debating, right? They think she brings in money. So obviously she does or they see it financially. But by having her have the title, it also means that that SmackDown roster just kind of looks useless. Like, what's the point in having all those women on there if we're just going to keep feeding them to Ronda and Ronda's going to keep kicking it how she wants to? Like, it's just not fair to those ladies. Um, and then he has to figure out a way how to, like, get all those belts off of the bloodline. He can't keep the belts on the bloodline any longer. Yes, they show up on, well, not they, the Usos and Sami Zayn show up on both so shows, but Roman only showing up on SmackDown and then deciding like, I'm going to wrestle, not wrestle, whatever. He needs to do something with that. And that is one of those final nails in the coffin with like what Vince decided was a good idea. I'll just say this in regards to uh, damage control. I don't understand why they brought Bailey back to be like the mouthpiece for them, but they should have just made them have the free bird role. It should be, I think having a belt on Bailey is a great idea. They need to let them have the ability to switch out like the New Day did and with the Freebirds did. That would immediately make them more entertaining um, with them being able to decide who's going to carry the belts for a night or whatever. And then, yeah, Hit Row definitely needs a swerve because something is missing from them. And yeah, I'm not in the same boat as far as. Uh, the bloodline losing all the belts because I think right now they're they're doing amazing work and there's still a whole lot of story to tell with them but that's another story but like as far as how Triple H is doing I think you know he's brought back his NXT darlings 
which I think has been smart. The problem I think he's just realizing is like, I think they need to be more strategic in the places that they bring people back. Like don't bring back your NXT darlings in a city where the fan base is super casual um, and probably never, never watched NXT religiously. So then you bring back these stars and they don't get the reaction that they should get. And then it looks awkward. So, you know, Bronson Reed coming back, like, I think that's a great idea. I just don't think that the place that he was brought back was great. And also the storyline they're bringing, like some of the storylines I think of bringing these characters back need to be a little bit better. Um, I think too, like with Triple H, he's trying to bring a lot of people back, but he's also trying to close off and finish some longstanding stories that were set up before he came on. I think we should give him until like the Royal Rumble. I feel like that's maybe be a reset for the company whoever comes back then that should be the beginning of the reset or even waiting until wrestlemania i don't know but i think there needs to be we need to give him like a full year of his own storylines and to see how he's actually done but in as far as cleaning up vince mcmahon's blunders i think he's doing a fairly good job they definitely bungled the sasha banks situation um who knows maybe this might be the one time they actually can swerve people and we all think she's really gone for real and triple h is like i don't know maybe that that could be wishful thinking but if they don't get her back that might be the the biggest bungle the biggest mistake that the company has made and i don't know if that you could put that on triple h that's definitely a events thing where not Sasha and Naomi were just tired of it and, and not wanting to come back. But I think overall, he's done a pretty good job. Oh, man, you dropped so much right there. First thing, I want to tie in Hit Row to being strategic. I was listening to Wrestling with Freddie, uh, which is the podcast on Lakatoda Network with Freddie Prince Jr., who used to be a, yes, the actor, but mm-hmm. used to be a writer for WWE. And one thing that he said was when Hit Row came back and they came back and they almost like had a song and everything, what killed them was the fact that they didn't check the acoustics. So it sounded terrible. He doubted that it sounded good live and it certainly didn't sound good on TV. It's like, ooh, they didn't think about it. They just saw it and it did. It popped us all, but they didn't really know what to do with it. And I think that they would have done better with vignettes. With a lot of these debuts, they have to really figure out a storyline with them. And here's where I pop my nemesis, Dawn. This is the reason why we're not ready for Carmelo Hayes. What are you going to do with him? Where are you going to put him? And this is what I've always been saying. Like, yeah, he could be a generational talent, but they don't know what to do with him on the main roster. They brought all these people back. Like you said, some of them, it went flat. I didn't see that SmackDown and none of y'all were like, yo, Bronson Reed is back. It was kind of like maybe a ripple in these spaces and then it went away. That's also saying something because we did watch NXT. We do know who he is. We did say, dang, they fired him? Oh, you know? So I think that there are two traditional spots where everybody pops for a return or a debut. Royal Rumble and the night after WrestleMania. Yeah. What we learned from this year's WrestleMania 
is that you can re-debut or debut at WrestleMania, even if it is a poor secret. We've seen it twice with the Hardy Boys and with Cody Rhodes, where it will blow the roof off of it. So going back to your Sasha thing, I'm hoping that Sasha has a match at WrestleMania and it will blow the roof off of everybody. And she could still do Wrestle Kingdom because what's the deal with Nathan and Nakamura home for yeah. a serious event, you know, a, a main event for a wrestler who's retiring. So I'm like, the door is open and some Japanese promotions. And this is something that Sasha really wants to do. And she only gets stronger. So, you know, the interest is there. She's in a wrestling ring if she wants to wrestle, because that's the other thing. This time off and away from wrestling has proven that she's bankable outside of wrestling, yep. that there's interest there. So if she chooses not to come back. Yeah, that was a serious fumble on WWE's part. But we do know that it is a launch pad for stars. Which brings me into, you know, I warned just that we want to talk about DC. Mm-hmm. I was going to use wrestling to talk about DC and James Gunn because you have John Cena, who I think is going to be coming back soon, you know, for something. He's Peacemaker, which was a James Gunn property. But you talked about the bloodline. And I am one of those people that feel like the bloodline has been the hottest story in wrestling. And talking about scripted story, because Lord Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> when you talking, you know, I was waiting for you to, I said the hottest story in wrestling. And I was waiting for H to hit me with the accusations. False accusations. <laughs> but um, that's a Rick Rossing. We'll get to that. But I think that, Roman Reigns has dominated for two years. No, I don't think that anybody has ever done a storyline like this outside of the territorial days uh, where somebody holds the title for this many days. And I know that the pandemic has had a lot to do with it. But he has two belts and he's been undefeated and people are being fed to Roman. And he does a good job in a match where you think at times, wait a minute, are we going to get an upset? Or selling the story when, like they did with one of those Paul brothers about just one lucky punch, right? I mean, he's got a bionic hand and all it takes is a split second of distraction, one lucky punch, and he could be champion. They did a good job in selling a maybe, but at this point, he is ahead of the table and it needs to be solidified by either the blessing of the rock or the defeat of the rock. Right. Because who has been the NOE Samoan dynasty head of the table for the last 20 years? The Rock. Excuse me. Yes. The Rock is back. No, that's no. the thing. No, we're getting <laughs> no, we're getting there. See, the Rock is a cousin. And okay. the thing about I was, I was, it is hmm? I was like, I thought he was out acting and you know, possibly trying to Oh, take he him. is. He's trying. He is. <laughs> and that's where we're that's where we're getting to it. He's trying, right? So we had this thing where for the last 10 or so years, he's been talking about Black Adam. Black Adam comes out. It does what it does. According to The Rock, it was not a flop, damn it. And you will respect my numbers. But yeah. to other people, it's like, and then perform too well. And then with all the changes at uh, Warner Brothers and DC, Pete Saffron, I believe his name is, is co- running the company or the DC studios, newly establishing DC studios alongside James Gunn and the rock 
just released a statement not too long ago saying that they won't go forward with a Black Adam movie. However, there may be opportunities for the Black Adam character to pop up in other movies as it makes sense. So they're not closing the door per se, but him being this definitive Black Adam in a trilogy or building something like he was Chris Evans as Captain Captain America, America, that's not happening. So therefore, it kind of is like, well, is The Rock as bankable as we thought he was? Young Rock is not doing that well in the ratings. Also, they moved to two Fridays against SmackDown, which is like, why would you do that? Uh, Because Mm. you're dividing that crowd of who would normally watch it. That's That's stupid. That's that's the audience you want to watch the show who would actually care. Exactly. And there's no tie-in. Yeah. Yeah, so Becky Lynch plays Cindy Lauper. You would think that they would have Becky Lynch talk about she plays Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Grayson Waller played Ric Flair. Like, what the fuck? I mean, in terms of casting, but there's like no tie in at all. Yeah. Do you think that it is time for The Rock to make a comeback to get the rub? Let's be real. He'd be getting the rub from the hottest yeah. storyline yeah. in professional wrestling, which is the bloodline at WrestleMania in Los Angeles. Yeah. Here's the thing that I might, I'm a little concerned about is that he would be getting the rub, um, but he's been out of it for so long. Cause remember the last time he came back with John Cena and John Cena kind of embarrassed him a little bit on the mic (laughs) and the rock is supposed to be one of the best on the mic. I remember Um, that. So here's the problem with like the rock and black Adam. Black Adam needed to come out 10 years ago before The Rock became who he is today. Because it is hard to separate Dwayne The Rock Johnson from any character that he plays in a movie. Because he pretty much plays himself, but a different variant of himself in every movie. I have the same issue with John Cena, too, where um, Peacemaker is John Cena. If you watch John Cena on Total Divas, he is an asshole. That is John Cena. I agree. so it was not a big, like, that wasn't a, a heavy lifting for him acting-wise. And every character that The Rock has played has not been heavy lifting for him. The, so the only person who has actually done the work is Batista, Because he doesn't play a version of himself in every movie that he's in. Like, he doesn't rely on his size in every movie that he's in. He actually went to an acting coach and really put the work in. So you can kind of separate who he is as an actor from who he was as a wrestler and the rock thought by being gigantic and by being like superhuman in real life, that that was going to be enough to carry that movie. And he also, I don't think he cared about the character of black Adam. He passed on opportunities to appear in Shazam. He is Shazam's main rival. Mm -hmm. That's where he should have debuted at, but he wants to be, up against Superman because Superman is the bigger character. That's the iconic superhero. That's what he wants to do. And yes, Superman and, and, and Black Adam are rivals, but that's not how this story should have been told. So he sacrificed the storytelling for his own ego. And because of that, the movie failed because they didn't tell the story the right way. That being said, he definitely does need to come back to wrestling. I just don't know if it'll have the same and, and maybe I'm just saying this now because he hasn't come back yet. Because, like, I didn't think Cody would hit, and it did. He does need to come back, but I think he might get embarrassed a little bit. 
because that whole like everything that he lived on back in early 2000s and late 90s the strudel and all that stuff and like the he can't do that now he can't rely on those corny jokes now Mm -hmm. to get over roman is no joke right now so mm-hmm. he's really going to have to really talk his shit when he comes back. And I don't know if he knows how to do that. Or I'm sure he does, but he hasn't done it in a wrestling ring where he hasn't been extremely over the top to get over a point. So I don't think he needs to, though. And okay. so, first of all, I totally agree with the critique about Shazam. Uh, I just saw it. And yeah, I, I have so much to say about the movie. I guess you and I need to talk offline about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and Aldous Hodge. But having said that, I think that the story isn't the rock of yesteryear. The story is that I have been outside of wrestling doing the damn thing all these years. And y'all are able to eat because of me. And then you have Roman, who is like the young lion, who was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that may have been back in the day, bruh. But today it is I. It is me. Yeah. I, I am the one. And so like the storyline, it shouldn't be about the strudel. The storyline should be about Fast and Furious. It should be about the Tooth Fairy. It should be about all of these other movies and projects and that he has done to ensure the legacy for the family, which is why it's like, it is who really is ahead of the table. Is it you or is it me? I think that's where it would be. So he doesn't have to use those things. It should literally be, you know, like, all right, young whippersnapper. I mean, and truly, if that's the story, he may not even have to get in the ring. Again, it's like the defeat of the blessing. Hmm? But can you, but I mean, to that point, were those movies that he was doing for the family or for his ego? Because the family is entrenched in wrestling. Like they, Mm -hmm. yes, he set the bar to an extent, Roman is at that bar now. It wasn't The Rock who got him to that point because when The Rock tried to come back and actually help, you know, remember the rest of the the Royal it Rumble? It was bad. Mm-hmm. It was bad. It didn't mm-hmm. do anything for, for Roman. He got over despite or in spite of The Rock. Like he got over without him. And everybody mm-hmm. else in the family is doing the exact same thing while Rock has been out here. But I guess you could add that to the story while Rock's there, been out there here. There it is doing his stuff for his own ego Mm -hmm. they've been eating without him and that's that's his rebuttal that is the bloodline story like wait you gonna come around and try to dictate or whatever but we've been doing this so now we got both sides of the coin to what the story could be he comes back with his tail between his legs because he's been a little bit embarrassed right now i think that this is why you have to have it and you know let me remind you of the hits because let me tell you what he does not want to do He does not want to come back to wrestling if the XFL fails. And I hate to tell you, but I think the XFL is is going to fail. And so you talk about two major embarrassments, right, of Black Adam and an XFL. And then if you go back, that's a problem. But if he has a buffer in between the two, then maybe, you know, like that drop is not going to be as steep, you know, especially because the bloodline is so hot that the storyline is so rich that I think that you could do something with it. But if, but yeah, that XFL thing, we both know ain't going to work. And if he tries to come back after that, it's more. Yeah. He's got to pick a spot. What do you think age? What do you think? 
my issue with The Rock, and this is probably my issue with like Hit Row too, like take it full circle, is he's done a lot to prove a point. Black Adam wasn't terrible. Look at the numbers. Da, 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 da. And he talks too much on social media. So mm-hmm. the allure that he had, the mystery that he had, that we really enjoyed, which was like this really cool dude, you know, he all this swag and everything. Now you're just like, mm, you just a little corny. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are you're a lot older. of ego. Yeah, you, you're a lot of ego, but not a lot of firepower anymore. And they keep saying that the reason why he hasn't come back to WWE is because timing, timing, timing. But he wants to come back. That's what Triple H said. Triple H said that he wants to come back, but they just haven't had the time. They just haven't had the time. And I'm like, "Eh, yes and no. Like, at one point when he was the highest paid actor, I could see that because that means he was constantly in movies. But the last thing that he's really been working on here lately is Black Adam. And it failed. Like, it flopped. And even people who have gone back and like watched it on HBO Max and everything, they're still like, I mean, it was decent. All the good parts that it you wasn't saw, terrible. Yeah, like yeah. all the the action scenes you saw are the action scenes you're gonna get. And The Rock is playing The Rock just in a different movie, a right? It's a variant. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a Marvel, different version of The Rock. But it's a variant, if you've seen yeah. him in any of these other movies, like honestly, the only one I think that he did that was kind of different was probably what Two Fairy. And that one movie mm-hmm. where he's the babysitter or whatever for the, like the three kids. I think those are like the only ones where he is not explicitly just playing a different variation of himself. But Fast and the Furious, he's playing himself. The spinoff for Fast and the Furious, he's playing himself. That's mm-hmm. what we're used to. Even if they're like, he ha- doesn't have an arm. He's an ex-football player. Even in Ballers, he was just playing a different version, version of, of The Rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that kind of like throws all that in and goes him coming back actually does nothing for Roman but hopefully puts him in a better light in a form I've heard some people saying that they want Solo to turn on Roman and join Rock and that Solo could say like he's aligning with like the old guard basically because he doesn't really like how Roman kicks it and I'm like yeah but then when the rock is gone, that leaves Solo with nothing. Yeah, unless they bring—I mean, they got like a whole extra family members that haven't even come to WWE, so there's more that they could bring in. And I think that's probably where the storyline goes—is like there needs to be someone from outside who's maybe not even the Rock, but like someone from the independents who can come in and who's a monster on the independents who can come in with Solo and continue the bloodline or, or when a uh, Roman decide to eventually leave and go to Hollywood, like they, you know, they need another monster who can do it. So agree with you. I think that what they are trying to do with like making solo be this monster so that either he's going to turn on Roman or whatever, however that works. I think that they're doing a very good job with that. I just don't know if aligning him with a wrestler who is literally going to be here for what, three months, maybe. Yeah. And then gone is a good idea. Agree. A year ago, I wanted rock versus Roman but like we Roman's all did. been champion for two years and I'm like Roman has put over a, a fucking so Paul many. brother like yeah. he I don't really know if I need him to take 15 punches or 100 punches exactly. from the rock in order to put the rock over I just like I don't see the point in that so I don't know if yeah. I'm really all that excited about it and he's basically going against John Cena because it's what Sammy and Roman versus John yeah. Cena and Kevin Owens. We're rehashing that out too, which I think is good to do because 
Roman has to kind of in a form continuously prove himself to John Cena, especially after that one promo and he stuttered and John was like, see, that's why they keep calling me to come back to work. He's getting his lick back basically and adding Kevin Owens to it and Sami Zayn adds even more thread and plot to it whenever they do decide to turn on Sami, right? So I think that is playing a factor and Kevin Owens is an established character who can take the L if John Cena takes a pin or whatever and it'd be what it be. But like Rock coming back is just not as appealing as it probably would have been. And I mean, honestly, John Cena coming back isn't either, but they said the shows that they announced him for sold out. So obviously ordinary like fans, women and children, which is, you know, John Cena's base, they're excited to see him. And that's probably going to be the same thing for The Rock. He has a base. There are people who still love him. It's just we're not one of them anymore. Or at least not in the same fervor. And see, I would go and see them both because I did not go and see them when I could have back in the day. So it's like Anita Baker is coming to tour and you want to go because she may not tour again. So let me see her when she hits my city now while I have the opportunity to see her live. That's Mm -hmm. kind of how I feel about a John Cena or a Rock or somebody like that. It's like, ooh, it's an opportunity to see this person live that I may have missed when they were in their heyday because I was too young or couldn't afford it or wasn't watching, whatever. But I've discovered them now or I've rediscovered them and I would love to see them while I can. I think both of you guys have said something really important about timing. I feel like a year ago when we weren't sure where this bloodline story was going to go, Rock coming back a year ago would have been major. It would have been so huge for that storyline. But Roman has been able to do so much with that storyline and bringing Sami Zayn in has totally flipped the script on what we thought that story was going to be. That it's almost like did they miss their window for it? Because, or does Roman actually need Rock's approval? Does Roman actually need to beat The Rock? Because at this point, he's done so much without him. It's like, is it exciting still? Like, I would have popped for it so much a year ago. And again, again, like, I'm saying all this now because I'm like, he's not going to come back. And maybe when he does, I'll be super excited about it. But just like thinking about it now, I'm like, it would have hit so much more a year ago when the time was right is the time going to be right now? Because now you have to think about things like Cody came back to defeat Roman. Cody didn't come back to be carrying a mid-card belt. Cody came back because he wants to be the guy. How does that work when you're now starting the beginning of your year out with the guy dealing with the former guy on your company? That just totally changes everything. So timing really does matter. So I don't know. And speaking of that timing, right, you talk about another story of the year, Cody Rhodes leaving AEW, worst kept secret, debuting at WrestleMania, having a pretty decent match, having a lot of excitement, and then having that injury. That visual of him slowly taking off his, his homemaker jacket and revealing a purple titty is something that WWE is going to use forever. Um, I think that when Cody Rhodes passes away, whatever memorial they have for him, they it's that's what's going to be on a loop. That pop and then that moment, because it's so defining, like, look how tough he is. But I was saying that 
earlier, going to your point about timing of the debuts, then why not WrestleMania, the day after WrestleMania? Why not Royal Rumble? And I think it's probably because they're saving that day to re-debut Cody Rhodes to make it more special. But it's not even like just Cody. If Biggie wants to wrestle, it's Biggie, it's Cody. Mm-hmm. If they are able to bring back a Sasha or a Naomi, that's another really big pop. If Charlotte decides she wants to come back to work, that's another really big pop. Like there are so many people that we are currently missing in the ring. Honestly, like it sounds like they're thinking about repackaging Bobby Roode to his glorious Bobby Roode. That would be a hell of a debut. Glorious hits and the crowd goes off, right? And any NXT call-ups that are going to happen, like a Braun, um, a Braun or any of the other ones, right? So it's like, where does The Rock fit in all of that? And I think that's the thing, too, that we have to pay attention to in the way that Vince relied on older talent. That is not something that Triple H does. Mm. All of his callbacks have been like his indie darlings, his NXT kids, the ones that you knew that he had an idea or a plan or a message for. Even like your Chompas and your Tegan Noxes who have dealt with injury after injury after injury. He's like, yep, yeah, but they're coming with me, right? Vince would have never done that. So the Royal Rumble is his ability to go, ooh, I can call up even more talent or even like your, I guess you would call your veteran talent, your Cody Rhodes, your Big E's and all of them to come back to work and not have to worry about asking The Rock or Batista or Bro Dog or any of them suit up. Because even with the what was it, the raw anniversary show or no the dx anniversary show or reunion or whatever they did not wrestle they didn't like beat up on any younger talent not exactly they teased um awesome theory but they didn't do what if vince had been in in control they would have done which was like they're gonna take a bump they're gonna you know powerbomb a, a, a young wrestler or something like that like they're gonna basically take one of those dudes at catering and just put them through a table just because Triple H did all of that differently just to basically show like this is a different show so I don't see the point and the purpose of The Rock coming back at the Rumble when you could like just have him come back on the Monday after the Rumble or the first show of the new year, like something like that, where the the focus can be all on him because Rumble time, if we are getting what we're hoping that we're going to get, The Rock's going to get lost in the shuffle. Like he's going to be the least important thing on the show. Mm-hmm. Lady D, you don't watch wrestling um, regularly. Mm-hmm. What would you think if you heard that The Rock came back to wrestling? you know, a hometown reunion kind of deal. Now, my sister would be super excited because she loves The Rock. But does your sister still watch wrestling on a weekly basis? Um, I don't think... She doesn't watch TV at all on a weekly basis, so... But she loves her some Rock. Like, <laughs> my parents know that so much that they bought her socks with The Rock on them for Christmas. As you I mean, said, that... there are people out there that still love him and will yeah. come to watch that's exactly what they're banking on is that he's still a name even even in wrestling he's still one of the mount rushmore greatest wrestlers and outside of wrestling he's built a name for himself so Mm -hmm. when they need to get coverage he's going to do that for them more so than anybody else more so than 
a Ronda Rousey more so than a Brock Lesnar, more so than even a John Cena. He carries credibility. I don't even know if credibility is the right word, but he's got clout outside of wrestling media. John Cena don't have a television show. So, you know, we, and we're saying all this now, like, like it doesn't sound like any of us are super excited about it happening, but if it's done right, it's probably going to pop all of us. It just has to be done right. And yeah. right now it doesn't, it's feels like it's going to be shoehorned in because he needs to save face. The other thing is because he's been taking so many L's right now, is he going to come back and let Roman beat him? Because he might not want that right now. So it just has to be done right. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I, I guess it really would be about how long could he give uh, the first match at Royal Rumble and then a rematch at WrestleMania, like that type of a program. And if that was the case, you would have needed to have started it already. Um, I think going back to your point about storyline and is this really necessary for Roman because he did so much, I think it would be to to make clear that I stand on my own and I need for y'all not to keep us in the same conversation where the rock is the rock and Roman is Roman. And there's only one head of the table and the only way to do that is, you know, to have you together so that because think about it it's always it is a conversation that we're having now it's a conversation that lots of people have had about the bloodline and can you really be the bloodline when you don't have that rock establishment in it I mean we also feel that way about Naomi and now what's the baby's name Ava Rain so who knows what they will do for it but I do agree timing is everything and can ego be put aside and it's really not worth it if they're not going to write a good story. Also, shout out to Ava Rain for doing like kind of cult leader, totally different kind of character than like something I think her dad would have done and really distancing herself from what The Rock's legacy is or even like anything that Nia Jax did or Roman and them did. Yeah. Her character and this faction that she's in and her being like the first lady of that faction is totally mm-hmm. different. And it takes a lot of acting ability to even mm-hmm. play that kind of character and be comfortable with it. So I really support yeah. her trying something that's probably harder than we give credit to. Yeah, I think she's done a really great job. And if you did not know her from a, being a little girl and growing up in wrestling and knowing she's related to The Rock, if we just turned on the television, I don't think people would automatically look at her and go, oh, she's related to that family she's related mm-hmm. to the rock so i think she's done a really good job question for you guys do you guys think that when roman came back and he came back with the head of the table part of his gimmick that was entirely built on the fact that they thought rock would come back sooner than he's they're hoping that he's did i feel like that head of the table part of his gimmick was tailor-made for the rock to come in within a year but then Roman took it to some other world and did so much with it because Rock did not come back that now it's just, he's kind of beyond that. But do you guys think that that gimmick might was like tailor-made for a way to welcome the Rock back in and he just fumbled it and just didn't come back when he should have? Yes and no. And part of my no is he did like a similar character in NXT for a little bit before he joined the Shield. And when he joined the Shield, they were like, Vince was like, nah, you got to be the pretty boy and, you know, all that. Um, On the other flip side of that, it sounds like, yeah, because he's challenging who is the breadwinner of this table. And 
at this point, it's out of them too. Like, there's not another well-known Samoan wrestler out there, a part of their family at least, that we know outside of them too. And so now my question is, did that gimmick start around the time that Roman was in The Rock's movie? What was it? Hobbs and Shaw. It started, like, when did... See, now I gotta pull up the Google machine. Okay. When Hobbs and Shaw came out. Um... So it came out August 2nd, 2019. He might have been thinking about it because mm-hmm. obviously it didn't come out till 2020 during COVID. So he might have been, you know what? They might have been sitting on set talking about, hey, you cut like you need you need to convince Vince to do this storyline. Like they might have worked it out on set. Who knows? That could be that's a really interesting point. I think Roman shot that while he was still on medical leave. Mm-hmm. And yep. I imagine they probably brainstormed, like, what should my comeback look like? And I imagine somebody was like, be yourself. <laughs> Stop trying to be this friendly, smiley, pretty boy, and that's not your personality. Like, be yourself. And be yourself is what we got. Like, <laughs> did, y'all, did y'all watch Villains? I think it's what it's called on Peacock. No. It's about, okay, so it's about, like, some of the best villains in the company. Um, I think I brought it up on the last podcast, but Stephanie has an episode. Randy Orton has an episode. Roman also has an episode, though. Oh, I did watch that. I did watch that. The one thing that, like, they keep reiterating on Roman's one is, like, no, no, no. This is how Roman always acts. This is Roman Reigns. This is how he's always been. The person that you're seeing, like, yeah, it's turned up a little bit, obviously, for wrestling purposes, but you are getting what we or how we see Roman explicitly. And that was something that I think was really important because somebody told him, stop trying to do whatever Vince got you doing. I think Vince 100% believed that the head of the table gimmick was just not going to work. And then it worked. And he there was nothing you could do about it. Thousand mm-hmm. percent he didn't think it was going to work because he wanted to be a baby face good-looking John Cena part two. That's yeah, exactly and... what he wanted. Well, Vince doesn't understand what cool is. He didn't understand that. So so let me ask you both this as you've seen it. I, well, and transitioning a little bit, it's 2022. This is the 10-year debut of The Shield, from it being a corner part of The Shield. So he wasn't really the one that spoke a lot. I mean, he just said, believe that. What part of the personality when when he was in The Shield was villainous to the part of what we see now, like where this is turned up. And then also just talking about the shield, when you want to insult somebody, uh, you would say to Mox, you would say to Seth, you're the third most important member of the shield. So who's a, who is your first important member of the shield? So some of the stuff Roman did, and I think we kind of missed it because he was attractive, was he would be a little cocky in the ring or like outside the ring or whatever when they were supposed to be the bad guys. Um, And I think some of us missed those little small sparks of like him being a little cocky. But my favorite S.H.I.E.L.D. member was Seth. I loved Blonde Street Seth. I thought he was dope. Like I, Me too. The whole time I thought that Mox was the one that was going to turn. At no point did I think it was going to be Seth. Mox was the one, if you remember, he was the one who was going missing. They couldn't find him. He was missing matches. When they were getting beat up, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Like They really set that up as if it was going to be Mox. And so that's who I thought was going to, you know, betray them. And then when Seth did it, it was just like, oh, shit. Wow. And 
Seth did it and never looked back. He's never, I mean, yeah, they've reformed the shield or whatever a couple times, but like character wise, he took that and just ran with it and it was so dope. So yeah, I love Roman, but Seth always was the one that I was like, nah, he's my favorite. Yeah, I went back and forth between Seth and Roman, but I would even say this, like, I think they were the perfect group because they all fed off each other. Because it started out with um, Ambrose Mox being the leader because he was the one that they they knew off the gate could talk the best. So they started out with him and then eventually it went to kind of Seth trying to be the guy too because it used to be Dean was always in the middle and then it was always Roman and, and Seth kind of flanking him. There were parts where they started to see flashes of Roman. Like there was that moment in the ring where he was talking to Renee and he had the crowd and he was like, say my name. Like he was telling the crowd to like chant for him. And he knew he was hot as hell. He knew he was sexy and all that. And he was just like, he was just having, starting to show some of that swagger. It just wasn't the right time because Vince didn't want that to be what his character was. Because that was part of his character in NXT before he joined S.H.I.E.L.D. was he was the guy in the suits with the expensive jewelry and kind of leaning off the fact that he was a good looking dude. But that wasn't the story that Vince wanted to tell. But but yeah, I always kind of figured like they were just a really good trifecta you know that you could always use them like once they kind of got their footing they bounced really well off each other and one day it could be dean seth roman or it's roman seth dean or you know dean roman seth like they were really good in that the order of them could always change every single day um and so when people use that insult like you're the third best it's always like maybe today but it's not always that way but I think, yeah, there were flashes of the Roman that we see today. I don't think we were ready for it. And then also, like, even with this character that Roman has now, the uh, Thunderdome was the best thing to ever happen to Roman because fans would have never, ever, ever let this character get off the ground if they would have been in the stands because they would have never let him have these slow, methodical matches. They would have never let him talk trash during the matches like we got, like, we got to hear him talk to the camera. That would have never been able to happen had there been fans in the building because they would have taken the show into their own hands and mm-hmm. never allowed for it to happen. So again, timing is everything. We would yeah. if we, we would have tried to get this Roman a year before he actually debuted, it probably would have not worked. Yeah, we wouldn't have gotten the twins either. You know, as the right hand man. I mean, none of that. The the crowd would have gone into business for themselves. Yeah, I agree. Some of the best stuff that happened in wrestling in 2020 was the fact that, like, the fans couldn't comment on it. The fans could not have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could join the Thunderdome or whatever, and I joined the Thunderdome, like, once or twice, and they're very strict about what you can do, what you can't do, what you can... Um, signs you can hold, like, all that kind of stuff. They wanted you to cheer at certain times. Like, it was actually a very, a very like, well-ran situation. But one of the best things was just that Roman could go out there and talk as much, like, shit as he wanted to. And we just had to deal with it. And that did numbers. So when it was time for him to come out, I think more people cheered him than didn't. And so many people were worried that Vince was going to make him go babyface because we cheered him. And it was like, no, we just really like this heel work. He's a heel that I can get behind. And because we had been waiting for this for so long. That's true. I'm just going to um, say what you guys wouldn't say. Yes, Roman was fine. But, I mean, if he would have said to me, ain't no fun if the homies can't have none, I'd have been like, you know what? Fair. Something. Point taken. Yeah. There it is. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Y'all want to say anything else about the Shield? If Triple H really wants to shake the table, 
open up that forbidden door and let some of them dudes from AEW come in for the Royal Rumble. Let's get a Shield reunion at the Royal Rumble and have Seth Dean and um, uh, Roman in the ring at the same time or something. Like, let's yeah, the out. way they did Mickey James, I, I'm with yeah. I would totally let's be do that. down for that. that. If you want Royal, if you want your, like, that will make that pay-per-view the most talked about pay-per-view, even more so probably than WrestleMania, but open up that forbidden door, uh, Triple H, let's get it really popping and bring some of those dudes over to your show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We might as well. Like, they're letting what um, Carl Anderson, he's still, or I don't know if he is still, but he was a never openweight champion, which is the New Japan title. New Japan's fine with it or whatever, and he's still doing both shows. At this point, fuck them doors. Like, we like what we like as fans, and we like wrestlers in all places. Hell, Bronson Reed literally just had a match where he beat Okada, and now he's working for WWE again. Let's just go. Let's just work. It don't matter. Shinsuke and him going back home. All those things are important. So we might as well just keep it going that way. Since y'all took it there, let's fantasy book Royal Rumble right now. Forbidden Doors doesn't exist, like you said. Who do y'all want to see in the women's and men's Royal Rumble? So I'd like for Kyrie Sane to come back oh, for okay. sure. That was my choice. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I would totally like mm-hmm. Kyrie Sane to come back. I think that that would be phenomenal. Um, especially since like she's rehashed out her character now, mm-hmm. um, and she looks like she's enjoying herself. And I think she's champ too. I would love to see Willow in the ring, like all that black girl magic. She's so cute. Jade, of course. Jade and Charlotte. Jade and Bianca. Yeah, like oh, Jade and Bianca. Jade and Charlotte. Like yeah. let's get some like big women slapping me, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what are we doing? I would be fine if they let Tanahashi come just because he's going to have to retire eventually, you know? So him doing around kind of the same way they let like Tiger Mask and um, what's his name come, give them the ability to come to the WWE before it's time for them to retire. I think that would be dope. I love Minoru Suzuki, so I'd love for him to come as well. There's quite a few that I'd be like, okay, that would be dope. We might as well do it. So, like, in AEW, they've got Swerve. He's working with, like, these really terrible wrestlers, <laughs> building a faction, I guess, to go against um, Keith Lee. If the door is open, he could work on WWE and working with Hit Row. Hit mm-hmm. Row could also go to their show and be the backup that he actually, like, that he should have, and not these, t- these white dudes that are coming in that can't throw punches. Um, ah! Like, let, let's try, let's see how that works. Like, that could be really interesting. You gave all the ones, like, for women, I think, would work. I know the Revivals, are FTR, like, their contract is up soon anyway, so they probably will end up back in WWE, but if not, there's potential to have some really dope tag team matches with, let's actually get New Day um, wrestling some of these dudes over on AEW. Let's get the Bloodline. Let's really see who the best tag team in the world is. A lot of trash about are, is it somebody on it? Is it, you know, the revival? Is it the Bucks? You know, is it the the Usos? Is it the New Day? Like, let's legit do that and let's see it. You know, the, there's so many things that could be done that would be amazing for both companies. All, a lot just, of companies. Impact 2. Yeah, a lot R-O-H. of companies. Yeah, Impact 2, ROH. You're thinking like a Royal Rumble, but I'm thinking like listening to what you're saying, it, it should be it's like own pay-per-view. It could be where, a what is it? Yes. What is it? World, yeah. Worlds collide is what they. Yes. WWE only, but everybody comes and wrestles. Same concept. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I would say. See, that would be really dope. And then what you were talking about with uh, Swerve, that could work because of Rick Ross. 
and Rick Ross talking about I got this money and whatnot to say like okay we got the rap world backing and I'm so powerful and whatever Rick Ross wants to say I'm so that confused. I can do this oh by what I'm so confused how AEW can get Rick Ross and Trina and them to show up. And I guess it's because AEW is in Florida, but WWE, the last what, rap group we had was like the Migos. AEW has a different, whether it's Gunna or Rick Ross or Trina or whoever, they have a different rap celebrity in the crowd I mean, or in the storyline. It's so weird to me because we are not the demo. Like we are just yeah, not the demo. That's what it is. That's it, what it is, though. That's the one thing Tony Khan, I think, is smart about is bringing people in that are reaching a demo that isn't actually watching the show. Whereas, like, Triple H, he knows we're going to watch, but Triple H is just extremely beholden to rock music. He has used classic rock artists for his entrance music since the beginning, since he had a little bit of a name. That's what gets him pumped up, so that's what they always use for you know, their pay-per-views and all that. And I think they're also a little bit afraid to go too far into because of all their sponsors uh, mm. going too far into the hip-hop world. So they go with the safe bets of Flo Rida, of Pitbull. Like, those guys are safe because suburban moms know who those guys are. Suburban moms are not afraid of them, but suburban but, Rick Ross and Trina and, but, and all of that. I think... But you know what, though? When you think about 3-6 Mafia and Mark Henry's beat him up, break his neck, and how everybody loved that, especially when they were on UPN and how it came out, or Jagged Edge. I remember when, when they were smart back in the 90s where there was the Jim Johnson wrestling themes, but then they were reinterpreted as rap themes or they were reinterpreted as rock themes. Like you could do a lot of it, but I do think that with AEW and a lot of the criticism, I mean, I know that we kind of dismissed it and said, yeah, this really isn't for us. But then when they got Swerve in and Swerve had those connections and again, it being in the South, you know, Southern folk love wrestling and soap operas and stuff like that. So it's like, don't, fight it enjoy it now i know that i don't watch aew regularly mm -hmm. but i do keep up with it during uh via podcasts when i heard that they were going to have like the diamond princess the first thing i said was trina i didn't know if it was like a wrestling gimmick but unfortunately it was trina it wasn't publicized enough for me to really tune in and so it did fall flat because those white men were like, hoopsed? Who's yeah, a Trina? We don't know who it is. It's kind of like you said, the rap stars, and I was going to be shady and say, and Bow Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call well, him and a you rap know what star. bothered me about the Trina thing for real? Mm -hmm. They had her go against Jade, which made no so sense. She's a baddie. So what like, the made fuck? no sense. And Zero. that pissed me off. I was just like, Zero. this woman calls herself the baddest bitch and y'all had her go against your against baddest bitch. Like, are yeah. you kidding me? So yeah. dumb. You had Jade being managed by a white dude since the beginning of her career and you had the mm. opportunity to bring Trina in right. and pair the two of them up. Like, what? are you and, doing and you can mm -hmm. tell like the vibe was off because them trying to like cut promos against each other just wasn't as fluid as i think it would have been if they would have just cut promos with each other like not mm -hmm. against each other but with each other it would have looked totally different it was so stupid i was just like he does does he not understand who trina is like uh, no 
That's no, the he brought it. He brought him in for the names, but didn't understand mm-hmm. them. He 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 just did it because he's like, well, this will help the black people want to watch. Why would Rick Ross side with Swerve? Well, I guess it makes sense because Swerve has a little bit more swagger than Keith Lee. But like, I could see Rick Ross coming in and be like, dog, you got to carry yourself better." Like, and doing mm-hmm. that with uh, with a Keith Lee more than a. I'm going to work with skinny dudes, swerves, you know, like, I don't know. It's just some of those things just doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me all the time. No, but one thing I did want to say is you mentioned uh, back in the, or like the nineties and the early two thousands of how the WWE used to do, uh, you know, they would take wrestlers themes and remix them with hip hop and all that. But you mentioned UPN. That's what SmackDown was on. I believe, right. It was on UPN. The majority of the shows on UPN were geared towards black people. Yep. So, that's why they did that. They don't have to do that with Fox. They don't have to do that with USA. Now, What's the CW the... was still a thing, and then, yeah, was still the black station, and maybe, yeah, but they don't Ooh. have to do that anymore. What's the theory? I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like the Fox theory or the ABC theory, one of the two, which basically they put a black television show in a really good spot. It does really well, and then they add a white show behind it. People stick around for the white show. They cancel the black show, and then all those folks end up just staying for the white show. show. Right, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much what yep. they did with UPN. That's kind of what happened with like mm-hmm. the CW when it moved. People talk about UPN like it was going underwater when they were perfectly fine. Like they mm-hmm. were producing, they were making good money, their talent was successful. What happened was they were just like, Black people on television? Who wants to see that? And decided, well, we'll Mm -hmm. skirt out these Black shows, bring in all these predominantly white shows. Granted, Gossip Girl was one of my favorite shows when I was younger, but Gossip Girl was one of the shows that they put on that I probably would have not have watched if it wasn't for the fact it was on UPN, right? So, or CW33, depending on what state you were in. Yeah, Yeah, WB. But ours Mm -hmm. was, I think ours was CW33. But that's basically what it sounds like um, Tony Khan's trying to do. It's just like, if I bring enough of these Black people to the show, they'll stick around for the rest of it. And it's like, yeah, but those small segments don't do enough to make me want to watch your product. Not at all. But that's what he doesn't understand. And because out of context, I think that he saw our jokes about Cody Rhodes and putting him into civil rights era photos and calling him Cody Jamal Rhodes, that he thought that that was really a thing and that Black people were really here for it, but no. And I think that he does not understand the culture and he doesn't have a full-time person who fully understands the culture. He has swerved who's getting himself over through his personal connections. And then Tony's like, do more of that. But it's not really hitting right. Cause I know that I sent out that Rick Ross clip because it's hilarious to other people. And they're like, what the fuck is going on here? Is that Rick Ross? Did he just call him a big motherfucker? I mean, like, like what is this? If you come back then, and then, you know, then you can understand it as a stable. And then you see the stable as these two white people, like you said, that aren't great. And now there's an immediate disconnect. Like, I woke up to, like, the Rick Ross jokes. And I was like, what the, what are y'all talking about? So, like, I sent one of the tweets to my boyfriend. I was like, babe, I need you to explain to me what did Rick Ross do? Watch Up and Downs. And then I ended up seeing a small clip of it. And I was just like, what the, f- like, why would we do that? And apparently one of the dudes is like an ex-football player or something or something like that. I don't know. 
And I was just like, but they don't go with the aesthetic of what we're, why? Like, Hit Row and Swerve need each other and they just should have stayed together. Neither one of them, I feel like, are doing their best separate. Mm-hmm. To really bring this full circle, this does not sound like a legitimately good idea for either one of them to be separate because Hit Row as it is, like Top Dollar is corny and I'm sorry, he yeah. jump over the top rope. <laughs> Sorry, awful. <laughs> oh, like it was, it was so bad that Dawn was like, "Explain this." And me. shout out to Legardo for like, and um, the War Raiders for like selling it as if he hit them, even though that we could hilarious. clearly tell <laughs> that he did not. He hit himself and no one else. Like. <laughs> and like they still sold it because what good co-workers but it also made me miss Big E because Big E would have never like (laughs) Big E would have gone over the rope and been perfectly fine but he is corny like there's no way around it his rapping was cool and I get he's an ex-football player but if you made the money that you said you made playing football there'd be no reason for you to be out here wrestling like wait, let's just be honest. Wait, like okay, so let me let me say this. So AJ Francis four one zero four one zero is a Baltimore area code. So we have to deal with this Negro, this biracial butterfly talking. Oh, he biracial. Shit. I wasn't sure if he was just light skinned Oh, your hair mama white. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, he's around here wilding out. Hear me, hear me on this. Which is the reason why Don was like, so your boy. And I'm like, no, really? Yeah, he's he's in the wrestling circuits and and around talking about I do this because I love it. I think he has his own promotion. It's like a sausage promotion or something. And he, yeah, he talks a lot of stuff for him not to be able to back it up in a ring consistently. And that's what I'm going to say it like that. Consistently. All of that makes sense now. Makes so so is sense. he actually dating B-Fab or no? The way he says it, you know, B-Fab lives in Colombia. And I think it was like, uh, she's got a whole bunch of irons in the fire where I think that the reason she is back is for him. So I could see that maybe they are legitimately dating, but I didn't go that far because man annoys me. So... And I think that she is the star of the group. Like, she's the one I would want developed. So, Ashanti, the little one, before he joined Hit Row, I remember kind of some of his character stints or whatever. He's actually like a flippy dude, like Ricochet. Like, he's pretty good in the ring. Mm -hmm. I think the problem that we have is he couldn't find a character that worked. And so when they kind of all became friends, it was like, oh, we can do this together. B-Fab is stiff in the ring. So I don't know if making her a wrestler is really something that we need to do. Like she's not catching on in the way that I think other wrestlers who have been there the same amount of time as her have caught on. And that's not her fault, right? Because everyone is not built for this wrestling life. That is the one thing that I understand. Like, I would, I may not be able to do it. So, like, let me not be out here acting like it's just super easy to become a wrestler. But I think that's part of it. And it might be because she is a model and she's used to a lot of structure. And wrestling is not a lot of structure. Like, there's some 
body movements. You kind of have to get out of yourself to wrestle in a form. How do you both feel as though she does on the mic? In terms of, I know that she's obviously a valet and it's got attitude on her face and she can do that. But can you see her being a manager for someone like Jade? Maybe, but my biggest issue is she feels like she has to talk a certain way. Because that's one of my hmm. issues with Jade yep. and how Jade cuts promos is yep. it feels like they got to be the ratchet black girl. And one thing that I appreciate that B- Binky has done is she's found what her lane of black girl looks like to her. And she's figured out how to develop that on the mic. And I don't know if all of them have done that just yet. They have not because they need somebody like a Miss Jackie, like a Jazz, like a Kia Stevens, someone who can help them develop character that is a Black woman or an acting coach or someone. Because unfortunately, if you have white men who are helping you in the ring and trying to help you with their character, guess how they see us? But see, that's the Brandy Rose problem. That's yep. the Brandy Rose problem. And that heifer don't da 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 And it was like, girl, you know you don't talk like that. Like, yeah. come on. You can yeah, be she got hit. proper if you want to. And if you want to. Yeah. No one's going to judge you for it because black girls are not like monolithic. We are all a little different. Like, yes, we all we all can be real prim and proper, but all of us have our slang and our slurs and all of those things that come with us. You do not have to be like the mammy type all the time. Like, that shit's weird, sis. <laughs> it was. And we and she got hit with a return to sender so hard that she has her own podcast, but she's not doing that at all. Oh, she does. I did not yeah, know I that. Put, Yes, I will put it in the show notes because the last episode had Mick Foley on it where back when she was at AEW and she was a chief diversity officer. But one of the things that she wanted to do was to make the shows accessible for all people. Like if you are autistic, there was a calming tent and some things of that nature. And Mick Foley helped introduce her to an organization that helped with that. So I will put that in the show notes. Very much so. But that's that's the time... But that's what we wanted from her. Right. Like, do your thing in a way that doesn't feel offensive. It, it, <laughs> it, not at all. But I, I want to go back to where we started, which was also the Royal Rumble concept of, like, who, who would we want in a Royal Rumble? I would love to see Trisha Dora because I think that she looks so different. I've seen her with the ROH women, like you Willow Nightingales, which I like their match. And I've seen her with some of the people in AEW, but I would like to see her in the ring with other people or if they had another Mae Young classic. Uh I would like to see her there just to kind of see how they, the chemistry and how they could work and um, just really wanting her to find her footing somewhere where she can be established. And I know that I can uh, catch her regularly. But uh, in terms of the guys, I would love to see Orange Cassidy in the Royal Rumble. Yes. Especially against somebody like uh, Kevin Owens. Yes. Um, because, like, the way Kevin Owens acted with, like, the Ezekiel situation, like, he would sell all of it for Orange Cassidy. It would be hilarious. Those kicks? Yes. Like, yeah. he, I, it would infuriate him so much, but he'd have so much fun doing it. Orange Cassidy is a character that will come in at like a number five in a Royal Rumble that can continue to give people breaks and humor with different people and can act because he's all, I don't care. 
And you would have him driven to the ring by mom's suit and the best friends. All of it would be hilarious. I like that. I like that a lot, honestly. Now, we were talking a little bit about AEW and the women of AEW. Let's do a little scorecard on Jade. Jade is the one that we are always keeping our eye on. How is she doing? Is she improving? I believe she is improving. She is still champ. They did this thing where Nyla Rose stole her title and was like holding it hostage and it was hilarious it was nyla deserves so much more from them too especially since the some of those people are in the crowd writing like transgender wrestlers shouldn't wrestle or like all that kind of weird stuff she most definitely deserves a lot more than they give her and she's entertaining as hell like she's fun like and you can tell all the women like working with her because even big swole loved nyla rose like she loved working with nyla rose so i just really think that they just don't give her the credit she deserves but this whole feud with jade was excellent even though jade got her title back jade is still champion it looks like and i kind of i'm okay with it but what the what culture guys keep saying is they think that they're building up willow nightingale to uh take the title off of her which i'm actually like okay with like i'm fine with that if that's gonna be the case i'm gonna be honest I only watch uh, AEW when I get clips of it on Twitter. They have just really <laughs> done nothing. To, they have just not made me want to watch their programming at all. From what I've seen, you know, Jade's doing way better than she was, you know, in the last year. She looks better in the ring, which is good. She would definitely need to get a lot better before she faced off with Bianca, though, because that would be a mismatch of epic proportions unless she kind of gained a little bit more skill. But yeah, from what I have seen on Twitter, looks good. <laughs> so good for her uh, you know what first of all I'm the same way in terms of I listen to the podcast I don't I don't watch Rampage or Dynamite weekly so I listen to podcasts and I see tweets and then if someone says you need to go back and see this thing then I'll hunt that down and hunting that down is sending a, a message to Miss Simi or Todd, and they'll help me out. But I completely agree where the trajectory of it. Now, I mean, we do need to talk about Chris Jericho, CM Punk, the All Elite, and people getting bit in the ass by a dog and or humans. Like, what the fuck has going on over there with Nick Khan and those, and those shows? And also, I do see WWE borrowing from Nick Khan a little bit in terms of the after- the pay-per-view press conferences. And I'm oh, saying... Tony Khan? Tony Khan, yeah. yeah. What have I been calling him? Nick Khan. Nick. I was like, that Nick works for WWE. Oh, I was like, that's I was hilarious. Like, I, was like, I, was like, I was like, Nick switched over? Okay, all right. Oh, no, I am so sorry because they are not all, uh, you know, we're not saying that all cons are related. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that. But Tony Khan, yes. And, you know, with that hair, you would think that I would keep them totally separate, but I didn't. You know, with Tony Khan's... that press conference was a mess and it was an opportunity to invite chaos and I don't know why that is one of the things that Triple H decided to adopt but having said all that just like free dump what do you think about AEW this year are you going to come back for 2023 what would draw you to watch Miss V and the press conferences and what the fuck is going on behind the scenes no um the only thing they need to open the door and let them cross promote uh between the different shows that's the only way you're going to get me to watch AEW 
is to see people that I care about from WWE and Ring of Honor and all those other shows to cross over. I don't know. I'm one of those people where I hold a grudge a long time. And so uh, they didn't do it right from the beginning. So now I'm just like, and there's too much on television for me. I just don't have time. I don't know. It's going to probably, it's going to take a lot to get me to actually plan around it during the week and actually find time to actually watch the show. That's where I am. Fair. And any comments on the press conference and why CM Punk? I don't care about that man. And I knew he's one of those ego guys too. Like that was not, that honeymoon was not going to last. I think one of the main reasons that CM Punk stuff happened is because Tony Khan is a fanboy and he wanted CM Punk to like him so badly because CM Punk was the name and he wanted him to be his best friend and wanted him to like him so badly that he let that dude act an asshole behind the scenes and um and there you have it and that's what, like and also with CM Punk the honeymoon phase wore off and it was like he wasn't really doing anything like there wasn't you know once he had dudes crying in the stands when he debuted that lasted for all of like five six months and then it was like okay now what and it really wasn't there much there in my opinion and tell him that because he wanted to be liked and then you got a guy and, you know, CM Punk was never a good dude to begin with. And that's what happened. So that's all I got to say about that for some. Okay. I don't watch. I, like I have said in the past, like I'm very much so I'll watch like up and down, something like that to kind of just be up to date with what's going on on the show. But as far as am I going to tune in for next year? Probably not. Like I don't see the point and purpose in doing that. Um they won't give Jade a legitimate challenger and she's never going to improve in the ring if every person that she wrestles or she faces is basically just her kicking them in the mouth or hitting her finisher and that's the end of it. I do appreciate the fact that they did put the title on Jamie Hayter. I think she's dope, but problem is it's just to build to what's your girl's name, Britt Baker, to take the title off of her for them to feud because they're supposed to be friends. Um, so it's one of those like, eh, this is just a means to an end in a form. As far as the CM Punk, Kenny Omega, Buck situation, I agree with V. Like he fanboyed out and found Punk and Punk got a really good pop, but eventually Punk was going to have to deliver. And the fans started turning on him. The fans started asking him questions about things he didn't actually want to discuss. And because of that, we get that really weird ass press conference that ends up turning into them beefing I guess like backstage it's so strange but Tony Khan being the owner and creative he should have never let Punk even get any of those things off he should have never allowed Punk to even say half of that stuff that he said up there but he was over there just cheering him on basically I would not be surprised if Kenny and the Bucks like once their contracts were up if they left I think that Cody leaving was the first flag of it's not as fun as we thought it was going to be or it's not as enjoyable as we thought it was going to be. And the more that Tony Khan talks, the more it becomes apparent that they don't have as much control as EVPs as we thought they did. And that's just a mess, right? Plus, it's fun when you think you want to be the boss and be creative and write your own, you know, show and all of that and book your own matches, which... Cody booked himself into a hole. He couldn't be champion anymore. The Bucks and them basically kept booking themselves to become champions. It all just went left. 
So the punk thing going sour makes sense when he wanted what he wanted and it probably went against what they wanted. And Tony Khan was most definitely siding with whoever he thought was his meal ticket. And he thought punk was his meal ticket. It's even more interesting that the rumor is that he's not officially released and that there is a possibility that they're going to try to bring him back. I don't really know if that's a good idea when like your roster at this point does not like him. Jericho doesn't even like him, which Jericho is one of the hardest people to get along with on the planet Earth. And he doesn't even like him. So I don't know if that's going to work either. I have no words for any of this. I do think that if Phil Brooks comes back, he's not going back to AEW. I think that if Phil Brooks comes back, he's either going to go to New Japan and work the rest of the AEW contract off there, or he's going to want to come back to WWE in a limited capacity as a full circle moment to kind of say, you know, my issue was with Vince. I love the company. I want to have another WrestleMania moment and I want to go into the Hall of Fame and then I want to retire. See, I don't know about that, though, because earlier we were talking about the vibes backstage with Vince not being there. They have a good situation from what it sounds like with the wrestlers and everybody backstage right now. Roman is your locker room leader, kind of the literally the head of the table there. I, I don't see CM Punk, even in a limited capacity, being like being able to come there and be Phil Brooks or CM Punk the way that he's used to being with that backstage right now at WWE. I don't know if that would work. On top of the fact that like Punk and Triple H weren't on like really good terms either. But we need to remember that too. His his beef was not only with Vince. His beef was also with Steph and with um, Triple H. So I don't really know if that's a good idea at all, to be honest. So none of it sounds good if we're going to just keep it a buck. That's true. And that's something he got to deal with. I want people to understand all the like issues he had with WWE was valid. Like him having a staff infection, them not giving him the time off to get healed up, booking him in like matches that didn't make a whole bunch of sense. Do I think he probably should have went over on Undertaker? At the time, it would have made sense. Brock being the one who did it, fine. But what the things he said about Roman almost tarnished Roman's entire career. And yep. then you basically put your best friend in debt, Colt Cabana in debt, but now you won't even speak about Colt or you're like, y'all don't know the whole story. He wasn't that good of a friend to me or whatever. And it's like, you realize every person that is supposedly been your friend is no longer your friend anymore. Right. So like, he had valid things about like the work environment and the healthy health and safety issues. I think all of that was valid. But the personal vendettas and things that he went on as a used to be punk defender, like in hindsight, he could have kept the rest of that to himself. Because it's very obvious if the check clears, you don't care where it comes from. Is there anything else to say about AEW? I think the only thing that I would like to add is that with the sale of ROH... Uh, which was huge in my market. I'm glad that Claudio is champion. I did like what Chris Jericho did in terms of trying to bring people back and introducing them to the audience. And also, you didn't have to be the world champion. You could be any champion. But his character saying, but I'm better than all of you. 
it was a good way to introduce someone like Dalton Castle and the boys over, who will also be a very hilarious and dope pop for uh, something like a Royal Rumble, his character with the boys, that entrance, and then people trying to throw him over the rope with the boys catching him. It would be a moment, but that could only work once. That could only be one Royal Rumble. It couldn't be every Royal Rumble. Um, having said all that, Samoa Joe is back to being his hilarious self, and he's always one to watch, and he's with ROH. So I'm more interested in what will happen with ROH and ROH's legacy than I am with AEW. Does anybody else have anything to say about AEW? Nope. Nope. I do think that they need to figure out how they're going to separate ROH or just go ahead and get rid of all the different like ROH titles and merge them under one umbrella. Because right now, everybody, basically, they have like 15 titles, it feels like. And one thing that I appreciate that WWE did was combine some things down. I may not like all the combos, but they make sense when you think about it. Okay. Um, We talked about Bianca Belair a little bit, but I want to really take a moment to give her her shine. She got her belt back at WrestleMania against Becky Lynch. She came out with the HBCU Beachella entrance, you know, doing it for the culture. She continues to make her outfits. She is switching up her looks a little bit and she transformed her body and, you know, for bodybuilding. And I think that there's been a reemergence with the interest in bodybuilding and black people in bodybuilding. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that later. So I just want to give Bianca her props because she is continuing to grow and do the damn thing. She's beautiful. Like, there's no way around it. And not even just, like, as, like, an attractive person. She has a phenomenal personality. And you can tell, like, the people around her just love being around her. Whenever she drops her title, because it's going to happen, I think we just need to accept that. Like, she can't hold the title for forever. But that doesn't change the fact that she is a very good wrestler, right? I do think that her challengers have been weak. (laughs) Alexa. Yeah, and Alexa is not going to be any better, but um, hopefully in bringing in all these new faces, Triple H can build up these the women's um, division on both sides in Raw and SmackDown and potentially like fix it. That's the biggest issue right now is neither one of them, whether you're Ronda Rousey or Bianca, there's not a person on the roster that I truly believe is going to beat you. Um, well, besides Rhea, but... I think they're saving Rhea for Mania. Yeah, I just want to say, like, the fact that she trained for her bodybuilding pro card while basically carrying the women's roster on her shoulders all that, you know, throughout the year, doing all those pay-per-view matches, training for that kind of competition is difficult in itself, but to add on the fact that she was doing it on the road, like, she was traveling every day, she was... um, going to all these wrestling all these major events and like creating gear for herself and for her husband and and for Dawkins like it's just insane uh, the amount of stuff that she was doing while training for her pro card do we know if she actually got it did she get her pro card yeah I think she came Mm -hmm. in second place yes okay that's insane um I can't even get myself to go to the gym in the morning so (laughs) the fact that you know she could do all of that is just you know 
it's insanity. Um, and then, yeah, she's just a really, she's a good person. And I think like WWE, she is like in a space where like, yeah, her competitors lately have been really lackluster. Um, I was expecting more from her and the Bailey feud, but I don't know if that was just because it would have been more if Bianca would have had Sasha and Naomi. I think if it would have been Bianca, Sasha, Naomi against damage control, it would have hit a little bit more because Alexa does absolutely nothing for me. And it was just a weird pairing to have Bianca, Alexa, and um, and Oscar together. I just think that they were just thrown together because they had nothing for them to do, so... Well, it looks like, which might be kind of exciting, um, that they're both going to turn here in the future. Yeah, Oscar going back to, like, her New Japan, like, that, I think, is, that's exciting. Sorry, I'm going off tangent with Alexa. I don't want to see Alexa do anything with Bray. But if they're going to put them both together, because I think she will get exposed if Asuka gets to be the character that she was in Japan, because it was it's such a dope character and it's not Alexa can't do that character like she she it failed she can't carry that crazy character so I don't know like Bianca's had an amazing year I I hope that we finally get to see her and Rhea if there's anybody that takes a title off of her it should be Rhea it better not be you know or if Bianca or if uh, Sasha comes back or somebody better not be uh, Alexa no i don't think it's gonna be alexa honestly like i really think that they're prepping us for alexa just going heel and joining bray um and then they'll give us a break that's really what i think this is about to become i agree i think we're all gonna be set down to watch her reality show with her husband on hulu yes yeah yeah they're a cute couple no no oh okay it took me a while to get back yes me too yes okay i think the you you all brought up a point about sasha and naomi firstly i feel like that charlotte is going to be bianca's final boss but she's gotta be charlotte the program that i'm most wanting to see is with rhea ripley because of nxt and may young classic and all that stuff but I um, mean, you're talking about your long-term storytelling and write up Triple H's alley. But in terms of WrestleMania moment about, you know, if you want to be the man and, you know, all that Charlotte is because Charlotte must pose. You beat Charlotte and you literally are the EST, period. So I think both of those things are storyline threads that are coming and, and I would be anticipating and wanting to watch but um i think we have to talk about sasha and naomi uh we talked a little bit about what sasha could do but we didn't really talk about naomi and i want to make sure that we give naomi her shine she's been out on social media looking wonderful um we have heard things about what could happen with sasha's contract where jan 1 2023 she could be a free agent but we really haven't heard anything about naomi so um i do want to spend time talking just about naomi but the question about both of them since the last time we talked we talked about the great walkout all these must pass was it the right decision for them to walk out so far with the information that we have? And then what do we hope for Trinity Fatu? So I think it's hard to say if it was the right thing for both of them, because we've only heard why Sasha left. We've only heard that Sasha wasn't getting the money that she deserved. We don't know what the stipulations and the contract and all that, that, you know, Naomi was asking for. We don't know that. Um, 
So I do think um, it was good in the sense that you can see that they're missed. Like you can, like, I have, I'll be honest. I've not thought about Charlotte. I, every time people bring her name up, I'm like, oh yeah, Charlotte. I haven't thought about her not often, but there's been instances quite often where I'm watching wrestling and I'm like, oh, that's a spot for Naomi. Oh, that's a spot for Sasha. So I think, you know, for the majority of us, it's the absence makes the heart grow fonder. Like we have, we're, we've been missing the both of them. I do think Naomi is going to come back. And I think it's probably, I think she's actually going to come back as a part of the bloodline. We've been saying that for a long time, but now that the bloodline is about to start, or at least Jimmy and Jay are about to start this feud with um, AJ Styles and uh, I'm totally blanking on the name of their crew, but um, they're about to start that feud with them. And now they, they're rolling with Mia Yim. They need a, a woman to go against them. And I think Naomi is the natural fit there because I don't see, I mean, I guess it could be Tamina and it could be if they really went far, they could Nia Jax. But I think the natural fit is to get Naomi in that position to go against Mia Yim. So I, I I do think we'll we'll see her back sometime soon, but but yeah, it's really hard to say if it's been beneficial to her because we just haven't gotten anywhere near the coverage of why she left that we have of Sasha. So hopefully, when she does come back, though, um, and or if I should say if she does come back, that she actually does get the things that she was requesting for her contract to come back whatever that might be. Naomi wise, I wonder if her walking out was more of like solidarity with Sasha than her having yeah. legitimate beef with WWE. And also if reports that I've heard are right, I probably would have walked my ass out too. This idea that WWE does not believe that Sasha is as big of a draw as like a Charlotte or a Becky blows me insanity <laughs> like yeah you literally let her main event two wrestlemanias in a row and she not the draw like huh espn matches oh. of the year where you've been nominated and you walk the carpet it's been covered oh, right like, it, it it makes no sense i mean how long did it take for them to let becky up from nxt right like don't trivia like I understand what Becky did to punch her around the world. I get that she took that and she ran with it. But part of the issue with the man that is Becky Lynch or like that character is it got stale because her promos got stale. She basically was like cutting the same promo every week. Big Bang's Becky doesn't do any better in that regard either. Like it's stale as well. In some moments, um, the best part of her character was like her basically having a mental breakdown because she was losing all the damn time. Mm -hmm. But Sasha has legitimately carried your women's division from NXT on. She's had she's given a lot of your favorite wrestlers their best match. And the fact that you just want to say she's not as big of a draw, I don't know if she's asking for like hundreds of millions of dollars. I have no idea what the dollar is that she wants. But whatever she wants has to be within reason. And then I guess it also makes me question, well, then how much are you paying a Becky and a Charlotte that you don't think Sasha's worth that amount of money? I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. That shocked me because I brought up the fact that it took Becky so long to get up to the main roster because there was some, obviously some hesitation uh, at the time with Vince where he didn't see it. So now all of a sudden, 
her money jumps. I don't know what the, the contract is, but it is a blower to me that she would make more than a Sasha. And, or a, I don't know how much Bailey makes, but Sasha and Bailey carried the the Thunderdome era on their shoulders as well. Right. Like, let's be honest. Your women's division was carried by two wrestlers. You brought one of them back, but you don't want to deal with the other one. And Bailey 100% has let us know she's on their side. Yeah, that really does it. And and I, I want to know who was in the contract. We, we are going away from Naomi, which we weren't planning to do, but I would love to know who was in the contract discussions. I don't think if Triple H was in the room, that would have gone down because she's one of his girls. And I think that might be part of the reason why Vince was not 100% sold on her too, is like, let's, let's, let's throw in the fact that she was one of Triple H's girls. Charlotte has that Ric Flair tie, so he's always going to take care of her. Becky is a white woman who got over with white males. Sasha is a black woman who dared to speak her mind. And Vince probably was not about to hear that. And it's kind of like, remember that that sketch of how the world turned when on SNL, when the, when the whites understood that Beyonce was black? Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people did. I mean, yes, you know that Snoop Dogg is her cousin. Yeah. But I don't think, yeah. I don't think it really hit them until that WrestleMania moment when they wanted and they had Michael Cole announce that it was two black women. Yeah. Who and let's were just be high. honest, mm-hmm. like, she a weird black. Like, she, she <laughs> teeters in her blackness. But, yeah. like, let's just be, like, girl was, like, we believe was a COVID denier. Like, Sid yeah. has some blackness issues in here, but that's what happens mm-hmm. when you're raised by a non-black woman. Right. Yeah. That's what we keep talking about, <laughs> too. But, like, she had some problems of her own, and I think now, especially with, like, her mental health and everything, and her taking that so seriously, I think she has figured out, like, I have to put me and my ability to grow and my ability to be successful first over doing it for the company. And she said as much in that um, Stone Cold Steve Austin interview that she did on his podcast or whatever, where she was like, you know, eventually it becomes less about doing it for the company and more about, so when you going to pay me? Yeah. But to like bring this back to why I brought her up, if I'm Naomi and I'm seeing how they're treating this black woman who like no offense to Naomi, but it's more talented than her. Right. And younger than her, the next generation of wrestler. If you're Naomi, you looking at them like, so what do you think about me? Yeah. And I'm sorry, Charlotte, part of the reason why I think Charlotte is not coming to work besides her just deciding I'm going to keep with my husband the whole time is the fact that, like, I think she looked around and was like, are y'all fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, I like, because she rides for Naomi and Sasha. So, yeah. She's probably like, you want me to wrestle who? Yeah. You like, she looked around and was like, excuse me? <laughs> now, you know I don't like them girls. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And also, them, if, if it is that, like with the tag belts and all that, I can see, like, and she kind of hinted at the fact that, like, it was not her place to talk and discuss, like, what happened, what didn't happen, but that she missed being in the ring with them. She missed having them backstage. And she really, truly hopes that, like, they're going to come back because 
they're some of her favorite opponents. If that's not your way of being like, hey, y'all done fucked up and you figure it out, I don't know what else to say. Naomi gives Charlotte one of her best matches every time they're in the ring. And y'all, like, pay her name dust. It's ridiculous. And so I, I, I'm Naomi, and I'm seeing how you treat a Sasha. You got to be like, you know what? Maybe I need to go home, too. And then what I love is Sasha was just like, come with me then. You're going to do every red carpet, every fashion show, every training class, fitness class. We're going to work on your flexibility. We're going to get you in the gym. Like, Sasha was just like, no, 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 no. If you walking out with me, I'm taking you wherever I'm going. And I support all of that. I do, too. So would you also support Naomi coming back to WWE without Sasha? Yes. Yeah. I don't think they need to be tied together for the rest of their careers. Um, they tried, like, they could have done some really great stuff with that tag belt, the tag belts, if Vince actually cared about the tag belts. But she lived on that roster before Sasha. She lived on that roster after Sasha got there without her. There's so many more stories for her to tell. Like, just the fact that, like, was that you brought up her matches with Charlotte. The fact that they never pursued anything between the two of them with the amount of amazing chemistry they had in the ring is crazy. So I, I think there's more for her to do even outside of what she has with Sasha because we were seeing glimpses of it there already. She just never got pushed because she was the dark-skinned girl on the roster mm-hmm. who um, liked to wear the crazy, who liked to wear her fro and liked to wear bright, like, you know, at the end of the day, let's just be honest, the Black girls that do get pushed in wrestling are not, dark-skinned black girls like get pushed in. sorry um you know you know even you know Jacqueline as great as she was she never reached the heights that she could have reached if she was a light-skinned black woman I think there's more for Naomi to do on her own without having to be tied to Sasha forever I agree we've all said that we wanted Naomi to be in a bloodline there's storyline for her so that she's not just languishing on the women's roster doing nothing either so is there anything else that we want to talk about wrestling we did we did a lot of wrestling talk but any other stories and saying you know what we need to talk about this wrestler this storyline any promotion just wrapping up wrestling what's on your hearts something that i have noticed this year and especially since like me too happened is Y'all like to forget that, like, some of your favorite wrestlers, whether they're indie wrestlers or, like, currently on a main roster, they were named. And it's okay for people to bring up the fact that they were named. They are abusers in however way you want to contextualize that. People are allowed to bring that up. Yeah, I think, you know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about Vince. Is like, you know, the core of this wrestling community are men who um, probably have done some stuff. Well, not all of them, but there's probably been some guys who, who, well, they don't see the issue in what Vince did. They don't see the issue in what, you know, some of these guys who've been named in Me Too um, have done um, because they, you know, they just don't, they don't get it. Um and it's unfortunate they don't get they don't get called out enough for not understanding why what those men have done is wrong and not being able like there's so many people who cannot separate the character they love in the ring from the real person who's out of the ring doing really terrible things to people um it's really hard like i saw there was that did you guys see that tweet from the guy who was like 
I'd rather see Velveteen Dream in the ring over The Miz, even though I know Velveteen Dream, not a good person. Like, did you guys see that tweet? No. Yeah, there's some dude, like, because he doesn't like that The Miz is uh, associated with Johnny Gargano and Bronson Reed and all that. And he was just like, I'd, I'll have to show you, find the tweet and show it to you guys. But he's just like, yeah, I'd rather, you know, a sexual abuser like The Velveteen Dream be on television over somebody as mediocre as the Miz and that's the kind of people that are watching some of the people that are watching this product whether it be AEW WWE Ring of Honor whatever they just can't separate the person from their entertainment and that's why that's happening was that you know we just have to continue to keep calling them out on it and hopefully have support from men um, to keep calling them out on that kind of stuff and then hopefully it'll get better one day. And that kind of stuff is what rubs me the wrong way about, like, not even just wrestlers, because we all were on the internet with the Tory Lanez, Meg the Stallion trial, the Harvey Weinstein trial, the R. Kelly's album got released and pulled. Like, we, we have seen these things in the last couple of weeks. And it's always, you got to separate them. You got to separate them. Or how can you support this thing and not support? I don't have to justify why I don't support an abuser, right? I don't have to explain that to you. And... I don't have to be okay or comfortable with watching that abuser on whatever television show that I'm watching. That goes for wrestling too. So if I want to bring up every time that, you know, someone like Darby comes out or the number of UK wrestlers that some of them are still there, some of them aren't there, like, or Marty's girl or whoever, like if I have the ability to be like, Hey, yo, they should, they don't need to be working because here's the thing. It was like an accident. They corrected their behavior. We've had no issues out of them since. Cool. But some of these cases were like very recently within the last, like, well, from me too, the last year, six months, which means they're not making very good decisions. They weren't making very good decisions. They don't believe what they did was incorrect. Some of them never apologized for their behavior. Some of them allowed their girlfriends and wives and fans to attack the victims. They're not good people. I don't have to watch them. Or I can watch them and complain. I'm allowed to do both, right? And yeah. that has been my biggest, like, takeaway from wrestling this year is folks believe that, like, Me Too is over, so we're done here. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not how any of this works, guys. We get to continue to remember this because what if he's currently harassing somebody and we just don't know about it yet? That's the thing with Vince. One of the main reasons why they were like, no, you're not coming back to work. Somebody, what if somebody else comes out and says you were awful to them too? You want to go sit your ass back at the house. There's too many potential bodies that can be uncovered that no, you just don't need to be here at all. And people make choices. They made a choice. They decided not to apologize or not to have any type of grief or sympathy or, you know, humble themselves enough to say like, I made a mistake. So they have to deal with the consequences of their actions. Being held accountable, guys, is not the enemy here. It's a part of life. Amen. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Because, I mean, do we not keep throwing up the fact that Hulk Hogan's racist every time he comes up? Or we see Girl, every name? time. Every time. So you're absolutely right. And nothing else should change. I do believe in getting some people grace if, like you said, they make, they take accountability and they try to make amends for their actions. But if not, no, I, I I fully support and agree with that. Yeah, I don't think I have anything to follow up with that. That was a good way to like wrap it up. Be better. Oh, people. Well then well then we got one more thing to do. Talking about wrapping it up and be better. 
if Twitter fully implodes, and you know we talk on Twitter about wrestling and we do our spaces, where else should we go to create community, save community in particular for Black women to talk about wrestling? Yeah, we're going to have to maybe create a space. Maybe we need to get our lives together and finish and start up, you know, three times a lady and create that space for Black women to go and, you know, talk wrestling. wrestling. Because, yeah, I don't know how many safe spaces there are out there right now, now that Twitter, and I don't even know if Twitter is really a safe space, but um, safer spaces in Twitter right now might have to create it. All right, heard that. Thanks for coming along on another fantastic journey. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to our podcast and your favorite pod catcher. Let us know what you think of this episode by tweeting us at watchwithyoupod, sending us an email at watchwithyoupod at gmail.com, or leaving us a review. And please spread the word. Add us to your syllabi and cite us.